I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you know the seven last words of Christ? The seven last sayings that he spoke from the cross before he died? These words have been the source of so many homilies and devotions and books and even musical pieces throughout the centuries, but they're so helpful for us each Lent to keep our focus, to enter into the heart of Lent, the spirit of Lent more profoundly. And think about this, you know, when somebody's approaching their death, their last words are really important many times. Uh, if you've ever been by the bedside of a loved one and you remember maybe the last words that they said to you, uh, how much we treasure those words. They often tell us something about the person, about what they value most or uh, what they wanted to tell us before they died. And, and that's what's happening with Jesus as Jesus is approaching his death. These aren't just seven random words. No, uh, this is Christ the teacher. He's still teaching all of us, giving us a very important message for our lives today. Listen to what the great St. Augustine said. He, he noted he noted how the, the cross is not just an instrument of execution. It's like the chair of a great teacher, and Christ the teacher is teaching to us. He says this, quote, the tree upon which were fixed the members of him dying was even the chair of the master teaching. Christ the teacher to the very end. And I want you to hear these words anew. I want you to hear them as, as not just words spoken on Good Friday 2,000 years ago or words that we find in the Bible that are just spoken to the world in general. No, I want you to hear them as personal words, words spoken to you personally today. I mean, think about this. This, this is just true. Jesus is the eternal son of God and in his dying moments, he's thinking of you. He's thinking of me, and he knows what you're going to be going through this year, this month, this week, this very day. And I want you to put yourself there at Calvary. Just imagine yourself prayerfully right there at Calvary, and imagine Jesus looking you in the eye, and he says to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Or he says to you, I thirst. Or he says to you, it is finished. What would these words mean to you? How do they challenge you or encourage you or console you? That's what we're going to be unpacking starting today in, in this episode, and I'm going to be looking at more of these seven last words of Christ in subsequent episodes here this Lent. What are those words? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Second, today you'll be with me in paradise. Third, behold your son, behold your mother. Fourth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifth, I thirst. Sixth, it is finished. And seventh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's such rich meaning in these words. And I know many people have a lot of questions about these words. We're, again, we're going to unpack this biblically. And I just want to thank the many, many listeners who contacted me over the last week. I was wanting to really get audience feedback here on what topics they're interested in moving forward. And I was so grateful for so many suggestions. A lot of people, a lot of people talked about the Bible. They want to learn more about the Bible, biblical meaning of things. And But there's one way woman in particular, Kimberly Wingson, I want to give a shout out to because she suggested 
could you do a series on the seven last words of Christ? And I was already thinking about that for this season of Lent. And when I saw that recommendation come in from you, Kimberly, I I said, yes, I'm going to plant the flag. I'm going to go do it. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, And before we get started, before we delve into the the first of these seven last words here today, I promised that I was going to give away five copies, free books here signed, um, my brand new book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And if you contacted me over the last week and gave some suggestions for future topics, you were entered into this drawing. And I have to be honest, I didn't actually pick your names out of a hat. I didn't choose you. You were chosen by my five youngest children, you five winners. <laughs> so I'm going to start from my youngest daughter, Kiara, who she chose, and go all the way up to uh, uh, the, the fifth youngest, Carl, and, and, and it's in this order here. So the winners are Chris Tsui, T-S-U-I. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Chris Tsui, uh, Joan Long, Frank Marsh, Veronica Molinix, and Mark Danza. So congratulations, you're all going to get a free signed copy of No Greater Love, and my office will be in touch with you this week, and we'll have them out in the mail by the end of this week, so you can have it for the rest of Lent. So congratulations to all of you, and thanks again for everyone who gave their feedback, and moving forward, I really want to engage the audience more, and I really want to hear about your thoughts and reflections on what we talk about, and I want to start sharing some of your ideas as well. So if you have any thoughts on today's topic, as we look at this first of the seven last words of Christ, something that impacted you, something that uh, inspired you, or maybe a a question you have about it, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me on social media, or you can email me at info.edwardsri at gmail.com, info.edwardsri at gmail.com. You can find me on my website, social media, any of those uh, areas. Uh, I look forward to hearing from all of you and sharing your thoughts uh, with, with, with the, uh, the rest of the audience as well. But let's jump back into our topic for today. I want to take a look at the first of the seven last words of Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 34. But I want you to picture the scene. Jesus has been condemned to death. He's been beaten and scourged. He's been spit at and crowned with thorns. He's been forced to carry this cross, and he can't carry it. They have to get Simon to carry it for him. He's going all the way to Calvary. And and finally, when he gets to Calvary, they nail him to this cross, and they raise him up on Calvary. And as they're, they're crucifying him, the soldiers hear a cry from Jesus. Now, that wouldn't be unusual. That's that's kind of what most Roman soldiers would have expected when they were crucifying someone. They would expect to hear a cry from the criminal, maybe a cry of great pain shouting out in agony as the nails are being driven into their body, or a cry of despair, maybe a cry of anger, or a cry of fear, or, or many times they, they, the, the criminals that were being crucified would be crying out, cursing, cursing their enemies, cursing the day they were born. Well, The last thing that these Roman soldiers would have expected is what Jesus says in Luke 23, 34. He cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. What what, what a shock that would have been to those initial Roman soldiers. But, you know, if we're really good readers of the Bible, if we were disciples of Jesus in the first century or readers of the Bible today, we shouldn't be so surprised because this is just what Jesus was teaching all throughout his public ministry, right? He was constantly talking about how important it is to love 
And our love is tested the most when people hurt us, when our spouse hurts us, when a friend lets us down, when a boss lets us down, when our pastor lets us down, when, when, when things happen in life, a family member hurts us, what do we do in those moments? That's when our love is tested the most. And because Jesus says it's easy to love the people who are nice to us, and it's easy to love the people that are fun to be around. The pagans do that, he says. But will you love your enemy? Will you pray for those who persecute you? That's the test of true love. And Jesus doesn't just teach this in the Sermon on the Mount. He models it for us on the cross. There on Calvary, he's showing us this is what love is all about. And my friends, this Lent, Jesus wants to draw you closer to himself. He wants to to transform your heart. He wants to change your heart and make your heart like his. And one great thing that we could do this Lent is reflect on this first of the seven last words of Christ and imitate his forgiveness of his enemies. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I've talked in the previous episodes recently about Lent, and I've emphasized how Lent isn't just about giving up your chocolate and your favorite show and your favorite drink. And, you know, it's not just about giving up things. We want to do that because that creates space for God to come in more. When I'm not as attached to the things of this world, I might be more in tune with the promptings of the Spirit in my life. Well, here's one of those promptings, because it's very clear you're going to hear these words uh, in the Holy Week liturgy. We're going to remember these words, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And that's Jesus speaking to us today, challenging us to forgive someone. If you can think of somebody right now, I want you to think of someone that's hurt you deeply. It could be something going on right now in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, in a certain friendship, in your parish. As some situation go on, think of someone that's maybe hurting you now, or maybe it's just something from a long time ago, and you still kind of harbor this uh, a fear or suspicion or resentment against this person. Jesus wants you to forgive them at a deeper level. So I just want you to think of maybe that person right now. Who's this person, whether it's right now or someone from the past that has hurt you deeply? Can you really forgive? I mean, how how do we forgive someone that's wounded us so profoundly? Can we really do this? Well, I, I want to I talk about this forgiveness here because the Catechism of the Catholic Church makes clear that forgiveness is not just, it's not about not feeling any kind of wound or hurt. You know, we might not be capable of of just not having those feelings. Like I see that person in the hallway or I think of this person, I remember them or, or the person just shot me a zinger. They just said some words that really stung and really hurt me right now. And, and am I, I, might, I might still feel that zinger. I feel that arrow in my heart. I feel that pain. And, and, and forgiveness doesn't mean that you necessarily stop feeling the hurt. And we just have to acknowledge that it. it might not be in our power to not feel that wound still. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church also says that it doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. I mean, people have to say, oh, forgive and forget. And again, I want to be clear. I want to be, we're, we're very human, and, and we're, we just might not be able to forget. In heaven, we'll all forget eventually. At least that's what God, God forgets our sins in a sense. At least Bernard of Clairvaux says that. It's, that our, our sins that we commit in time, it's as if they're forgotten in eternity. It doesn't mean literalistically that like, they didn't happen, but it's just that God's love and his mercy is just so powerful 
that in heaven, it's like, it's like, it doesn't even matter. We're all, we're all together and, and God willing, we'll all be together in heaven. And we, we, we won't sit there and, oh, I can't believe he's in heaven. Oh, I can't believe she made it up here. Do you remember what she did to me when I was in eighth grade? <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to be remembering those things, right? And so, but right now here on earth, we probably are going to keep remembering. Many of us maybe even remember certain things people did to us when we were growing up or did to us, you know, in our younger years, whatever it is. And, and, and it's, it's hard. And, and so I want to be clear, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the wisdom of our church is so beautiful. It's very human. We might still we might still feel wounds, and that's okay. You might not be able to forgive and forget. You might still remember, and that's okay. But there are two things, two things that we do have in our power, in our uh, in our control, and these are two things that Jesus is challenging all of us this Lent to grow in. One are the what are the two things we can do? When someone's hurt us, one, we can turn the hurt into intercession. We can really pray and not, and not just like a, a vague prayer, but really pray intensely for that person. We can also turn our hurt into compassion, a deeper compassion for the person that hurt us. And I want to unpack what we mean by this. First of all, let's talk about interceding for the person. I think it's very crucial that we, we really have a, a clear distinction in our head uh, we're, we may not be called to like everyone, but we're called to love everyone. <laughs> uh, what does it mean to, to like someone? Webster's Dictionary says to, to like something is to feel an attraction toward it, to enjoy it, to take delight in or pleasure in. And there may be a person that really annoys us or has really hurt us uh, and, and we're frustrated, we feel nervous around, whatever it is, and, and we don't have to like them. But we are called to love them. And love is not a feeling. It's not the feeling of attraction or pleasure or enjoyment. No, no. Love is a decision. It's a choice. It's, it's, it resides in the will. To love is to will the good of the other. And I can will the good of this person that hurt me. And I maybe, maybe again, there, maybe it's a deep wound and I'm still afraid of this person or I'm angry at this person or I, uh, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with this person, whatever it is. I may still have lots of emotions and so I don't have to like them. But I do need to love them. And that means I have to will what's, 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 I have to will their good. To love is to will the good of the other. Love does not reside in the emotions. It resides in the will. And will I love that person that hurt me? And again, it could be something just, I'm, I'm hurt by something my wife did the other day. Or I'm hurt by something one of my kids said you know, the other day. I mean, it could be just something right, really fresh right now. Or it could be something that we've carried for many years against someone. But Love resides in the will, and that means even my enemy, even someone that's hurt me, I still should desire their will. I shouldn't, or their good. I should desire their good. I should want what's best for them. I should want. I should want God's blessing upon them. I should not be harboring this 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 resentment and hatred for the person, wishing them harm. No, no, that's not from God. That's from the devil. If you have that in your heart, that's not good. You know, and how do we, how do we counter that? And, and a lot of us times we kind of have mixed emotions. We kind of know the truth. Okay, I shouldn't hate this person, but there's a part of me that kind of does. <laughs> you know, what, what do you do there? You got to work against that. Work against that this Lent. How do you work against that? It's in the will. Do something. Offer a sacrifice for that person. Just say a prayer for that person. Just say, I'm going to say Hail Mary. I'm going to say Our Father for this person. Or tell Jesus, Jesus, bless this person. 
I help this person to be blessed today. Help them to grow closer to you. You know, don't go into a prayer. Oh, I pray that this person will have a conversion because there's such a wicked person deserving to go to hell. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of prayer Jesus wants us to have here. We want to pray and, and it even admit this is hard for me to pray, you know, but, 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 but that's the act of the will. Just getting on your knees. I'm going to offer a decade of the rosary, whatever it is. I'm going to offer a Holy Communion. That's a wonderful thing to do. After you receive Holy Communion, offer that communion for this person that hurt you. These are practical things that we can do. And, it, and, and maybe it's really, maybe this, it's a really intense situation and this, and you find this hard and that's okay. If you find that, just tell the Lord, say, Jesus, help me to want to pray for this person. Cause right now I don't want to, but I know I should. Help me to want to do this. Even that little prayer is an act of the will where you create space in your will for God to come in. And that's what will drive the demons of hatred away. So turn your hurt into intercession. Pray for the person. Sacrifice for the person. Offer communions for the person. That's a wonderful thing to do. And you will have a blessed Lent if you grow in this area. Second thing, turn your hurt into compassion, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. This is what Jesus models for us. Notice when Jesus is on the cross, he doesn't say, Father, oh, it's okay. Just overlook all that happened. No, no. Something really horrible just happened. They just crucified the Holy Son of God. This is the most evil act in the history of the world. Jesus doesn't ignore it or just slide it under the carpet. But again, on the other hand, he doesn't say, Oh, Father, come down with your lightning and wrath and destroy these wretched people. No, he, he doesn't respond that way either. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus sees beyond just the actions of what the, the, San, the Sanhedrin and Pilate and the Roman soldiers did to him that day. He, these, are, these are horrible actions, horrible actions, great sins that were committed this day. And yet he sees that they don't realize fully what they're doing. If they really understood what they were doing, they, they may not have done this. And that's just what happens in so many human relationships, right? So many times, you know, the person at work that really just throws jabs at us or is just difficult to deal with or that certain family member or that certain friend, you know, it, it's it's not as if they wake up every morning and think, how can I really, really just make my this other person, how can I make you miserable today? <laughs> They're not waking up thinking that. Many times they're acting out of their own hurts and their own wounds. And, and one of my reflections I was just reading in a, a Linton book I've been reading uh, is it just highlighted something that I know is true, but it's really good to hear is that many times when people are hurting us, you know, they're, they're acting out of their own faults and weaknesses. And, uh, and many times those faults and weaknesses are hurting them too. And remember that. Have a little compassion on them that, yes, we're not justifying the, the hurt that they're inflicting upon us. But we're we're just no, we're just noticing that, you know what, it's not right that they're doing this, that they're treating me this way. But maybe there's something more going on here. Maybe this person's having a really bad day, or maybe they 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 they've had such a hard upbringing or such a hard life and so many difficult things they've gone through, and they're just jaded and wounded, and they don't know how to deal with conflict or how to handle stress or. Uh, how to handle disappointment, and so they lash out on me, and uh, and and so to look beyond the hurt that they're inflicting upon me, and see that behind that hurt is a hurt person, and maybe I can look at them with greater compassion. We're not justifying what they're doing to us, you know. We're we're still saying what they did is wrong, but but to see beyond that, 
and realize that maybe they're they're going through a, a difficult time now or they've had a difficult time in the past. You know, and that's where we can really help carry each other's crosses in this way. And that's the great sign. That's the real transformation God wants to work in us. If we can grow in these two ways this Lent of practicing this first of the seven last words, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. If we can practice this through interceding for them, and then when we, we're, we're, we're angry and frustrated, to try to have some compassion for the person, realizing they're probably more hurt than the hurt they inflicted on us. Uh, if, we can, if we can just bring those two things to the surface, we become more like God, who is kind and merciful. We become more like Jesus, who on Good Friday said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. If anyone has a great story of... Uh, having to grow in forgiveness. Uh, uh, share, please share that with me. If there's any insight here that really encouraged you or you felt challenged by or inspired by, please let me know. And you can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find me on my website, edwardsree.com. You can always email me at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. Uh, any questions too, if you have any follow-up questions, please contact me and I'm going to share some of these in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. May you all have a blessed Lent. And if this podcast is a, a, a blessing, a source of encouragement for you, especially in Lent, please share it with others. They can walk with us as we walk to Calvary, reflecting on the seven last words. God bless.